Please turn with me to Psalm 12. I'll read this psalm to you, and then we'll uh, go through it. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things, who have said, With our tongue will we prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. There is much we can learn from this short psalm of eight verses. Help, for godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. There are three points I want to get from this first verse. The psalmist observed that godly and faithful men were diminished in number or influence, and that the wicked seemed to prevail. Verse 8 of this psalm may give us a contextual clue as to why this situation existed. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. So at this time, vile men had been promoted so that the wicked were emboldened and encouraged, while the righteous were hidden and diminished. This had occurred to such an extent that David said the righteous had ceased and failed so that there was hardly a righteous person to be found. This is not a unique situation in the word of God. When Ahab was king of Israel, vile people such as Jezebel and the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the groves were promoted. A godly man named Obadiah had to hide 100 prophets of God in a cave. And the prophet Elijah believed he was the only godly man left. Noah is the only godly man we know of living on earth at the time of the flood. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 59 spoke of a time in Israel's history when truth was fallen in the streets. We might observe that living in the perilous times of the last days prophesied in 2 Timothy 3 through 2 Timothy 4.4, the godly also are being diminished in the very church of God. And in their place are men having only a form of godliness. They are described as evil men, reprobate concerning the faith, and seducers comparable to Pharaoh's magicians. So we see the plight of the psalmist has precedent in Bible history and applies to our day as well. Second point from this first verse David did not merely and dispassionately observe the loss of godly and faithful men. He was grieved by it. The first two verses of this psalm are a cry for help. Are you grieved and bothered by the loss and diminishing of godly and faithful men and by the increase of the wicked? David was moved to grief and prayer because of the loss of the godly. 
third point from this first verse, has anyone ever had to pray this prayer because of you or because of me? Have we been faithful and godly in all our spheres of influence? Let us be the ones praying this prayer when the situation calls for it, not the ones causing others to have to pray this way. Moving along, notice all the descriptions of the ungodly in this psalm involve their speech. Many Proverbs teach us that one of the quickest and surest ways to identify foolish or wicked men is by their speech. The speech of the ungodly in this psalm includes vanity, flattery, a double heart, and pride. Let's briefly glance at these sins. What is vanity? Vanity means the quality of being worthless or futile, producing no result, useless. It also means excessive pride in or admiration of one's own appearance or achievements. The strange children in Psalm 144 are described as having mouths that speak vanity, and David prayed to be delivered from them. Peter speak, describes false teachers in 2 Peter 2.18 as speaking with great swelling words of vanity. In numerous Old Testament passages, the sin of vanity is closely connected with lying. Flattering lips. Flattery is excessive or insincerely given praise. David describes the wicked in Psalm 5.9 this way, For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Elihu feared to give flattering titles unto men in Job 32 and said if he did, his maker would soon take him away. Israel's half-hearted repentance after punishment for gorging on quail is described as flattering God in Psalm 78:36. Four times in the book of Proverbs, the strange woman uses flattery on a man. Let us avoid giving or receiving flattery. The ungodly are said in the psalm to speak with a double heart. The Lord wants us to have single hearts. The apostle James tells us in James 4.8 that double-minded men need to purify their hearts. The church at Jerusalem is described in Acts 2.46 as eating their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. The ungodly in this psalm are said to speak with pride. Pride is the sin of the devil, and we are all prone to it. We must root it out of our lives. Listen to what these men said. With our tongue will we prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? This is very prideful speech. The Lord says he will cut off all the men giving proud and flattering speeches and deliver those who are oppressed by them. The Lord describes the behavior of the ungodly as puffing. He will set those who fear him in safety. Next, in verses 6 and 7, the words of the Lord are contrasted with the speech of the ungodly. The words of the Lord are pure, not just pure, but very pure, having been purified seven times. Rather than being vain, the words of the Lord are filled with profit and value. Rather than flattery, The word of the Lord shows us the true depraved state of man and teaches us to justify God rather than ourselves. Rather than having insincere motives, the Bible teaches us to purify our hearts and be single-minded. Rather than pride, the Bible teaches us humility and love of others. Verses 6 and 7 teach the preservation of God's word. Verse 7 contains the word preserve in reference to God's pure words. Belief in preservation of Scripture sets us apart from many other Christians. 
Many believe in the inspiration of Scripture, but most limit it to inspiration of the original autographs. Some believe the ideas or concepts of God's Word have been preserved, but the words themselves have been lost. A few, including us, believe God has providentially preserved the words He originally inspired. We can see this taught in a few other verses. Isaiah 30, verse 8, for example, Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come, forever and ever. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. In Psalm 119, the uh, chapter in the Bible concerned most with the word of God. Verse 160, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. If you do not believe you have the preserved word of God, you have nothing you can believe or preach with any authority. Bible critics believe in textual restoration by their brilliant intelligence and textual criticism. Their entire world could be turned upside down tomorrow if someone discovers a new papyrus in a cave in the Middle East. The Bible believer rejects textual restoration by human means and believes in Bible preservation by God's providence, even in the face of great difficulties. The faith you must have to believe in preservation of Scripture is the same as the faith Abraham Abraham had in believing God would give him and Sarah a son, even though they were both very old and Sarah was barren. Who wants to be like Abraham? We have an opportunity. The context of verses 6 and 7 within the psalm indicate David found comfort in the pure, valuable, and lasting nature of God's word when confronted with the corrupt and transitory nature of the wicked. What should we pull from this psalm? Let us be godly and faithful in every sphere of our lives. Let us be grieved as David when we see the godly and faithful ceasing. Let us forsake the sins of vanity, flattery, double-heartedness, and pride. Let us understand that any influence the wicked have is only temporary. Let us take comfort as David did in the pure and preserved Word of God. Amen. Amen.